Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to the Deep Revenue Left Field Podcast. My name is Jack. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Alwinerds. I'm here with my co-host, James. You can find him on Twitter at James Valentinas. And Ryan, you can find him on Twitter at Ryan or CESM. Uh, in today's podcast, we're going to be going over our right field rankings. So we'll do our top 10. Um, again, the way we do this is a uh, cumulative ranking. Um, so we have uh, our top 10 that we kind of compile between the three of us. You know, then we we'll each talk about each position and, 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 and you know, where we ranked our guys. So um, I think we just get to start with number 10. Uh, number 10, we have Corbin Carroll of the Arizona Diamondbacks. He had a bit of a look last year. He looked great. He's going to be great this year. Um, again, Carroll top 10 might even be a little conservative. Um, the defense is going to be really good. The base range is going to be really good. Obviously, the power is not like up there with the top prospects, but he still does have quite a bit of power. Um, he's a he's a great player, great all around player. He's a guy you know that I would not be surprised to see in our top twenty five players at the end of the year. Like that, that's how good this guy is. I'd be surprised personally a little bit, but um, I wouldn't be that surprised. Like it's not out of the realm of possibilities by any means. He's a really good player. Max locked him up for a long time. He'll be there for a long time. Um, I personally had Carroll 10 as well, so this lines up. Ryan, where'd you have Carroll on your list, and um, how do you feel about his outlook for 2023? Yeah, so Corbin Carroll is someone that, as you mentioned, you know, it feels like he's one of these guys on this list that are going to have kind of the most upward mobility. I think as we kind of go through this list and talk about different guys, I think our, our viewers at home will kind of be able to pick up who's um, – who's going to move up and who's going to move down this list most likely. I had him at seven. I, I was really high on him. I, I think he's a really good right fielder. Um, and, and as you mentioned, you know, all the tools, defense, base running are going to be elite. So, you know, you kind of have a high floor player there, even though it's at a position that isn't that defensively valuable and the bat, right? The bat is really good. I, I think we're looking at a guy um, who's going to give you good offense year to year, even if it's just a 115 to 120 WRC plus, I still think he's kind of a shoe in to be a four war player. Um, and I like the base running, the, the on base skills. I like the the ability to make contact at, at, at least a league average rate. And at least the, in terms of raw power, yes, you're right. He's not like overly impressive, but in terms of game power at the minor league level and a little bit at the major league level, he, he's been able to excel. So I imagine that we're going to continue to see that. And he's a fast guy playing in, you know, Arizona. That's a pretty good place for triples. I think we're looking at a guy who's going to lead the league in triples and probably give you a four to five more year. And James. Yeah. I mean, there's not really that much to say about Carroll. Uh, it's a little interesting. Like, I, I know people are going to complain that he's, like, he's, you know, played 32 MLB games, whatever. Uh, he played well when he played uh, last year, and he's the number, what, two prospect in the entire league for for re- for a reason, right? He, he does everything while he's young. Uh, they signed an eight-year, $111 million deal, uh, which basically just takes out all of his team control anyways, plus, I think, one year right it's normally seven now it's eight so not a huge like like it sounds like a lot more than it is would be um, plus there's two team options i believe at the end there's what been, are they like what are they like 35 million dollar team options well can at least get up to 134 um i believe and because this year start with would be six because he started last year so it would be basically you're buying out um two extra years of arbitration right now and if the team option gets exercised it would be three i'm pretty sure that's correct so okay. it's actually good. um yeah so it's a club option in 31 so only okay. one club option 28 million yeah but there you go it's still nine years technically assuming carol plays the way he does and he's definitely going to be uh pick that up so right yeah i mean elite speed elite defense and a great bat 
like there's not really much else you can ask for. I think I think he probably should profile as a center fielder. You would assume, right? Uh, with 80 grade speed, but I think he's gonna play right this year. I'm not fully sure what the Diamondbacks plan is. Yeah, he's gonna play. He's gonna play one of the corners. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't really have much else to say. All right, let's move to number nine. Here we have New York Mets right fielder Starling Marte. Marte was really good last year. Mets signed him as a free agent, four years, sixty-four million dollars. Um, I like to pick up at the time and playing right field makes his value probably better because he's not very good in center field. Um, pretty solid in right field, I believe. Um, he's very fast. His age is getting up there though, so you're hoping he doesn't lose any of that speed. He's got some in-game power similar to Carroll. Um, good bat to ball skills. He's just a good player overall. Um, I personally also had it at nine, so it works out here. Um, I agree with the list. Um, so yeah, he's a good player again. Um, he's not like a, I feel like he's his floor isn't the ceiling isn't as high as a guy like Carroll or some of the guys on this list, but he's he's definitely gonna be very solid. Um, base running is also fantastic, obviously, as well. You know, I already mentioned his speed, but he's also a very good base runner. Um, Ryan, how do you feel about um, Marte for 2023? Yeah, so Stalling Marte, you know, kind of, you know, after coming into 2022, there was a lot of talk about him regressing potentially offensive, offensively from his 2021 season, and he actually improved on his 2021 WRC plus mark. Is that me sitting here and saying he's going to be a he's a true talent 130 WRC plus guy? No, but I do think projections are really conservative on him. They have his bat pip dropping from 340 to 312 if you're looking at steamer, 308 if you're looking at zips, and yet he's still a 115 and 116 WRC plus hitter in both projection systems. He was able to put up a three war year last year in under in under 120 games, despite the fact that he had negative BSR, which I don't see holding up. I think we're going to see a little bit of positive regression there. I think in terms of just offensive value, I think we're going to see a similar stalling Marte because when you combine the base running and then the bat, the base running getting better, of course, and the bat taking a step back, I think that'll kind of combine to give you similar value. Um, and then, as you mentioned, you know, he's a much better defensive right field than he is a defensive center fielder at this point. Um, I know Alts above average didn't like him, uh, but DRS did. Um, you know, whether that will continue to hold up over time, we'll have to wait and see. But, um, you know, I, he's at least not an awful defender at the position. I think he can hold his own. Um, he, I know he's getting up there in age. He's going to enter his age 34 season. But uh, quite frankly, uh, I think that we still are going to see another really good year of Starling Marte. And James. Yeah, I agree with Ryan. I know a lot of people think, like, you know, just because of his age that there's going to be, like, some regression there, especially since he's so reliant on his, like, base running as, you know, like an outlet for his value. But at the same time, last year he was, you know, massive negative defender, which is a little confusing given everything else, you know, he's done in his career. Um, three war season last year. I have him, I think, a, a few spots higher. I'm at number seven. Um, but I, I just trust – I trust the bat – and I think that we'll see, like Ryan said, a, a pretty big increase in, or at least a bounce back in his BSR, because negative BSR is not who Starling Marte is. All right, number eight, we have Lars Newbar of the St. Louis Cardinals. Newbar has played really well for Team Japan so far. Um, he's a guy that a lot of people are breaking out this offseason, or this season. He he frankly has already kind of broken out in my eyes. I think he'll be a little better this year, but... Um, I don't think he's going to be an MVP candidate. He's really good, though, by all, on all accounts. He's a really good defender, runs the base as well. It's the ball incredibly hard. He has really good uh, swing decisions or makes good, really good swing decisions. Sorry. Um, he's a really good player all around. Um, he'll be playing right for the Cardinals. You know, uh, they, they trade Harrison Bader to the Yankees, so Carlson slides over center. Um, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see what they do with Carlson when Walker's ready to go because he's kind of like the odd man out at this point. Um, but right now, you know, Lars Newfar is going to be the right fielder for the Cardinals every day. Uh, bat speed, 
one of the fastest bat speeds in the league. Uh, that helps a lot with um, exit velocities and whatnot, and it reflects pretty well considering he hits the ball really hard. I had Newt Bar a spot ahead. I had him at seven, but I think it's pretty reasonable. Um, Ryan, your thoughts? Yeah, I I had um Lars Newbar as my number uh as my number eight uh right fielder, and quite frankly, you know, he's he's in, he's a really good player. I talked about it this with Carol with uh you know upward mobility on this list, and I view Lars Newbar as one of those guys as well. Um, you know, 2022 as you mentioned was a huge year for Newbar. Um, 125 WRC plus, hitting the ball hard, great swing decisions, really good defender, really good base runner. Is going to be able to play you all three outfield spots really well. So that should help the Cardinals. As you mentioned, there's Carlson, Jordan Walker's probably going to be involved in there. Alec Burleson, Tyler O'Neill. There's so many outfielders uh there that he's going to probably have to move around as guys get hurt as the Cardinals kind of you know try to figure things out in their outfield alignment. Um, but man, Lars Newbar, I, I really think we could be looking at a player who's one of the premier position players in all of baseball. Um, you know, I, I, I'm I'm saying, I, I don't think he's going to like win an MVP this year or anything like that, but I do think he's going to finish top 20 in F war. Uh, if I had to say like one of the better outcomes for him, not necessarily like his ceiling, but uh, what would be an ideal outcome? I think that's certainly in the cards. Uh, I'm really high on Lars Newbar going into next year. I just couldn't put him above certain guys ahead of him. All right. And James. Yeah. I mean, Newbar has been, playing uh great recently uh, for japan i think la- last year had a great year right Two, uh, 125 diversity plus uh, 2.7 f4 i don't know about top 20 i think that's probably a lot uh, like a pretty big stretch there i don't know i i think i'm a little lower on him than like the general consensus or you guys for sure um i have him at 10 you guys have him at seven and eight i, I mean not like a huge difference i just don't um i i don't know he kind of came out of nowhere last year right uh he was a 35 fe prospect um but he had a great year last year 125 plus like i said you know he can he can hit the average is really low but um you know he's just he's another one of those guys and i feel like we said this a lot when we're going over the outfielders and and especially and middle infielders where they're just like they're good hitters they're good runners and they're good defenders but they're not like great at anything and i think that newbar is one of those guys who can kind of bring a lot for you but nothing you know like Nothing special. All right. All right. At number seven, we have Chicago Cubs right fielder, Seiya Suzuki. Suzuki came over in Japan last year. He was a little hurt, but he played pretty well when he played. Um, I would expect definitely a leap this year, though. I personally had him at number eight, a spot below new bar. Nothing crazy, though. Again, both are pretty reasonable. Um, you know, he, he's pretty solid all around. Um, the defense is, is okay. Um, the offense is, is kind of where you're going to get – you make your money, obviously – Right field defensive value is not that important. I mean, it's important, but it's not crazy important. So um, you can kind of live with with lack less, not lackluster, but like like not elite defense out there. Like if the strengths about, obviously it's really fine. Um, projections like him. Projections liked him a lot last year. He was a little bit. He started really hot, obviously. Then he kind of cooled off a bit with, with some injuries. So um, I would expect Suzuki to definitely carry some more of that uh, pre-injury um, play into this season. I think it makes sense considering he won't be playing hurt. Um, Ryan, your thoughts on Suzuki for 2023? Yeah, so um, I had Suzuki and Newt Bar flipped. I had Suzuki ahead of Newt Bar. Now, after this oblique issue, now that take is probably not going to age very gracefully. Um, but I will say with Say Suzuki, and I feel like this can also be used to apply for some of the other rankings on this list. We're looking a lot at ceiling here. You know, Say Suzuki has um, you know, star level ceiling. As you mentioned, you know, he hits the ball really hard. He's pretty fast. He has a really good arm. So I don't think it's completely out of the question for him to figure out the kind of. I don't think it's a range issue. I think it's kind of a, a jumps issue whatever maybe i know he got better defensively in the mpb as he moved to the corner outfield maybe it's just 
you know, trying to figure out Wrigley Field. I have no idea, but I think there's some defensive ceiling there for him still. Um, and then, as you mentioned, with the bat, you know, it's the ball hard. Projections love him, which I know is going to come off as me just saying he's only going to be good because of projections. Um, but looking at some of the swing decisions, looking at the fact he didn't strike out too much, which is usually an issue uh, for people coming over from the MPB. And then, of course, the quality of contact was excellent. I, I think that there's that chance that he goes out there and uh, rest assured after some, you know, time on the IL, probably uh, he comes back and he puts up an all star level season and guides this Cubs team to kind of that first year with this core together. And James. Yeah, I mean, I like Suzuki a lot, obviously. Uh, you know, I'm a Cubs fan, so there's that. But like, I, I just I don't know. I think a lot of people are way higher on him than I am. Um, I think. Like Ryan said, like he, you think he has like star potential. I'm not sure if he does, um, but obviously, like it's tough to know off of just one, you know, major league season where he kind of like struggled with injuries and whatnot. Um, but then again, he's already struggling with injuries this year. He's not going to start the season on the major league roster. He'll be on the IL, um, which I don't think is a huge deal, but you know, it could turn into something major. It's I think it was a groin injury, and those are never, you know, uh, never one you want to play around with. Um, I, I, he's projected 127 to plus. I think it's probably pretty reasonable, maybe a little bit high. Zips has 135, which I think is really high. Um, but you know, this cup team will be better. He won't have to, you know, be hitting third or fourth every game, but I think, yeah, I think this is a good spot for him. I had him at eight. He's at seven here. Uh, not like too big of a difference. All right. And number six, we have, um, Toronto Blue Jays right fielder probably gonna be doing some DHing or more DHing this year as well, but gonna be playing some right field. Um, George Springer. Springer is a guy that I feel like he was underrated for a while, then he got a little overrated last year. And I think we're kind of getting to that properly rated point. He's a really good hitter. The defense is not what it used to be. The base running isn't exactly what it used to be as well. I'm sorry, his speed in general. You know, he's he, he's kind of declined as an athlete considering his age. He's also um very I would consider Springer to be an injury prone kind of player. Again, I don't like to throw that word around, but I think Springer is definitely in that category. Um, really good player though. Definitely, I would say kind of that gap. I would say you have your bottom four left right fielders in the top ten at least, and you have Springer, and then you have the top five that are in a different tier. Um, but Springer's slightly better than the other guys. I feel like we listed before him. He's a really, like I said, really good player. Um, you kind of know what you get with him. At least a one twenty five WRC plus, kind of bad at least. Probably gonna cap around one forty, but he's gonna be a really good productive hitter. So, um, Ryan, what do you got on Springer going for twenty twenty three? Yeah. So George Springer, another one of those guys who you know, uh, you know, he's kind of always been a really good baseball player. Uh, now, obviously, the injuries are were a concern and are a concern, but I think that they don't have, now that they don't have to play him in center field much, if not at all, um, they can kind of, you know, manage his days on the field a little bit more. We could see a significantly, you know, more durable uh, George Springer, even if that means sacrificing a lot of the defensive value that he may have had. Because uh, even a league average or, or slightly below league average center fielder defensively is going to give you more value than, um, you know, average defense in right field. Um, so, yes, he's not a base. I mean, last year he did have a 4.6 BSR, which was the best of his career, which is the second best mark of his career. He did steal 14 bags, but, um, you know, bigger bases, maybe he can get the green light of a little bit more. He played 132 games last year, put up a 4.2 war. It's like he's coming off of a year where, you know, it's like it's not like a red dome situation or anything like that. But if we can see more health, I don't think. I know I've said this multiple times for multiple players, uh, but I don't think like MVP votes are too like much to ask of a George Springer season if things go right with health. And James. Yeah, I mean, I definitely just, I, I definitely agree with you. That I don't know about MVP votes, but I think, you know, between the two of you, you kind of say everything I, I'm thinking. I think with Springer, like we're looking at a guy who's 
I don't know if I would cap to WRC plus 140. I think he's still capable of the 151, uh, like close to 160 that he's done before. It's just a matter of whether he's on the field or not. He only played 78 games in 2021 and 133. It's not bad last year. Um, If he can play 133 again, he'll probably have another four-win season pretty easily. I, like you said, I definitely think this is like a, a step uh, up from the guys below him. I would, I don't think he's that far off from, you know, like Tucker and Acuna, but uh, just like skill-wise, obviously Tucker and Acuna, you kind of rely on them more to play more, so you expect more from them. But um, I, I think, yeah, I think with Springer, uh, you kind of know what to expect. All right. At number five, we have Houston Astros, right fielder Kyle Tucker. This is where we kind of get into that elite player range. These are all very elite players. I think these are all kind of top 20, top 25 at, at worst players. Kyle Tucker is fantastic. The only reason he's not ahead of, you know, five is just because there are four, like, better players that are, like, one would argue they're all kind of generational type talents. Like, not, you know, obviously the word generational kind of gets thrown around, but these are like the kind of upper echelon player talents um i would say in the league um tucker is fantastic really good with the glove really good with the bat runs the base as well like he's just a really good player all around i mean i feel like there's not too much to say. he's not a boring player he's just not like a like there's nothing you point on but like he does this really really elitely if that makes sense if elitely is a word um in an elite way he's just a, a really well above average hitter i would say maybe you could argue he's an elite hitter but he's not like you know top tier hitter um same with defense again he's good out there not much else to say about him again. Really good player. Uh, Ryan, what do you got on Tucker for 2023? Yeah, so, you know, Kyle Tucker, I think, is is where you start to enter a different uh, tier of right fielders. Um, as you mentioned, though, the guys ahead of him are just kind of those, you know, once, you know, you see these once-in-a-lifetime type uh, towns or once-in-a-generation, excuse me, lifetime's a little bit of an exaggeration. Um, but Kyle Tucker is a consistent all-star. Kyle Tucker is, you know, coming off a quote-unquote down year at the plate relative to his 2021 with a 129 WRC+. plus. But number one, a career high in BSR. He was far more aggressive on the base path base, base path this year. He attempted 29 steals, converted 25 of those. If that trend continues to go upwards with the bigger bases, we could be looking at a guy who, you know, I know this doesn't matter as much in terms of, you know, like it, re- relevant analytical data, but being a 30-30 guy is still, in my opinion, a really cool feat to accomplish. And I think that, you know, he's able to do that. As you mentioned, he's a really good defender in the corner outfield, such a good defender in the corner outfield that he had positive defensive value despite playing a position that's largely considered not valuable. Um, he doesn't strike out a lot. He has great contact school skills. He doesn't chase very often, and he's got a great power, quite frankly. As you mentioned, not elite, but really good power. Um, we're looking at a guy who's just a well around all, just a very strong all around player. And James. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, Ryan. I think uh, we look at Tucker, right, as a guy who's not elite really at anything, but is just so good at everything that he kind of, you know, accumulates value like, um, like really not a lot of other players in the league are putting up, you know, back to one, back to back four and a half win seasons. You know, he's only 26. Um, he's projected 5.6 F4 by steamer. That's really high. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he did it. A 151 WRC plus is, is his projection. Um, he's never done that before, but a little bit, I, I guess a relative down year last year with the bat um, compared to the year before that. I, I think when we look at Tucker, we kind of know he's going to walk a lot. He's not going to strike out a lot. He'll have, you know, an on-base percentage like 340, 350, and a slugging percentage above 500. So, um, you know, he's he's going to have that like 870, 860 OPS and 150 WRC plus is, you know, his projection. I would I would probably go like 140. 
but if he plays 150 games again, then he'll probably walk into a four and a half one season. All right. At number four, we have Atlanta Braves right fielder Ronald King Jr. This is a guy that people had the consensus top five player a few years ago, a couple years ago, rather. Tony CL obviously had a down year last year. I think we're probably going to see something closer to that regular Acuna we have this year. Um, coming off that second year removed from ACL injury, usually people are kind of better. They trust it more. Obviously, Acuna relies on athleticism in right field. Defensively, he's not bad. Um, he, at the plate, he's obviously one of the better hitters in the league when he's on. When he's on, one of the better base in the league when he's on. Again, all about that 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 health, all about that ACL. So, um, again, I could see Acuna being a solid player like he was last year, but. That 90th percentile outcome is an MVP player. So um, you got to hope for that. And I'm kind of hoping, I, I, at least the way I have him right here, probably going to hit that 70th percentile, at least relatively speaking. Like, you know, again, last year was tough for him. But again, this year, probably going to be better. Um, but we'll see. I think it'll be, I think Acuna is probably one of the more interesting players to watch at the season, just because, you know, the kind of range of outcomes. Um, Ryan, what do you have for Acuna for 2023? Yeah, so Ronald Acuna Jr. is someone that, as you mentioned, you know, stock kind of fell a little bit just because of a down year. Um, you know, we're looking at a player who, you know, I, I know is coming off an ACL injury, but still, you know, he really pushed his knee last year because he attempted 40 stolen bases. You know, he's I, I don't think we're going to see a Ronald Acuna Jr. that decides he doesn't want to run or, or be a dynamic player anymore. Um, now, is his days as a center fielder are probably, you know, gone. I mean, not only is Michael Harris around, but as you mentioned, you, know, you want to preserve his health. Um, you know, I, I think he's someone who can see uh, kind of a, a, a return to career norms and defensive value. Um, obviously, you want him to elevate the ball more. He struggled with that last year. I don't think that's something that's too um, much to ask of him in terms of fixing things. His max exit velocity, his hard hit rates, they weren't too far off uh, from what they were in years past. It's just, a, I think it's just a matter of finding some sort of consistency once again with the bat. This is an, a dynamic talent. This is an elite talent. Um, and I, I would not start selling stock on him just yet. And James. Yeah, I mean, I think Acuna, I think I'm, a lot of people are too low on him coming into this year. I, Like you said, the 90th percentile outcome is an MVP candidate. I mean, I, I think you can make an argument here that like the 70th percentile outcome is an MVP candidate. Um, he's never had like an MVP caliber season. So, I mean, maybe we're jumping the gun a little bit, but then again, like he's a 25 year old and I know, I know he's coming off a torn ACL, but it didn't seem to like, you know, I don't think I don't think the reason why his bat wasn't as good last year is because of his ACL, right? Um, he still was an elite base runner. The defense was really bad. I mean, maybe the second year you'd assume a little bit better. But even if it's not, uh, Acuna's value with his glove in his leg, uh, his not his glove, his bat in his legs, will make up for any glove issues that you know prevail. All right, number three, we have Mookie Betts of the Los Angeles Dodgers again. Mookie Betts is a generational player. He's going to be a first ring, first ballot Hall of Famer easily, probably unanimous. Hopefully, definitely deserves to be. Um, he's at three. Why? Because the two players ahead of him, one is probably the best hitting talent we've seen in quite a while, and the second is a guy who just put up eleven wins. So it's really tough. Again, Betts anywhere from fifteen to I would say seven in terms of players in the league. Definitely top three right fielder. Um, he's a really good player. I mean. There's really nothing like he, he does everything well, runs the bases really well, plays really good defense, elite offensive player, you know, in terms of his base running pluses, hitting ability. Um, he comes in number three for me as well. Ryan, what do you got on bets for 2023? 
Yeah, so Mookie Betts, just a guy who's elite at defense, elite at base running, and an elite hitter. Um, We're entering that tier of guys who are, you know, there are no question marks. There are no, well, if this happens, well, if that happens, there is. These guys are in, you know, when you're looking at, you know, betting odds, when you're looking at, you know, uh, picks, people picking MVP guys, you know, or these are the guys we're talking about. These are the guys that are heavily involved in that discussion. And Mookie Betts being, um, you know, not being the best right fielder in baseball isn't a knock on his talent, right? It's, it's, it's not at all a knock on his talent. This position just gets super loaded at the top. Um, Betts is a guy who's going to be an inner circle hall of famer. Um, you know, he's one of the greatest players I'll ever get to watch. And, um, you know, it's crazy that we're, that he's in his thirties and he's still, you know, a, a generational talent. And James, um, I think seven through fifteen is crazy. Just gonna put that out there. Fifteen. If you rank Mookie Betts at fifteen, the best players in baseball, I don't know what you're doing. But um, I, I had Betts above Soto here. I haven't. Uh, I haven't. That's number two. But uh, yeah, like Betts had a. I think underrated year last year. I don't know if I don't know if you can say that. But he had a six point six WAR season, one forty four WRC plus. Great, you know, elite glove, right? Um, and elite speed. So I don't know. I think when you look at bets, you kind of, you expect six wins. And if you get eight or nine, it wouldn't be surprising at all. All right. Let's move on. Number two, we have Juan Soto. Now the San Diego Padres got traded at the deadline. Obviously last year, one of the bigger trades we've seen recently. Soto generational hitting talent. The defense is suspect, right? The defense was not good last year. It was really good the year before, not good last year. Um, but again, he's a, a generational hitting talent, so you kind of with it. Um, that's why I have him too personally. I have him, I have him above Trout personally. I'm really high on Soto. I think it's very clear that last year was probably a 10th percentile outcome for him, and that's like not a terrible season. Like he's gonna probably be one of the front runners for MVP. He's just that good of a player. Um, and I'm banking on his upside of being that good of a player. Uh, Ryan, where do you have Soto coming into the year, and 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 what do you send him now? Um, yeah, so I uh, infamously had Juan Soto ahead of Mike Trout and everyone else is the best player in baseball coming into last year. Um, and, and that's not what happened, right? Um, you know, is, am I sitting here and saying that Juan Soto is not the player he was last year or that he's not a good player anymore or anything like that? Absolutely not. Um, but, you know, I think I'm going to take it a step back for a little bit until I see defensive consistency because that does affect your war ceiling. That's what it did for him last year. Um, and I'm going to say that he is an elite, elite, you know, generational talent. But I don't think he's the best player in baseball. Um, I had him second on my right field list. Um, do I think that he is like? Do I think I could be you know trying to be careful now with Soto? Sure. Um, I totally see him winning the NL MVP because he's just that good. But I just you see it's just like we're in that tier where everyone is so damn good that even a slight knock to your game could cost you a spot on the list. And James, um, I mean, what what is there to say about Soto? I think if we're ranking then best hitters in baseball just with the bat uh Soto's number one uh I think he's the best hitter in baseball I just the defense is really concerning like we've seen you know it was only an 18 uh WRC plus trap which I say only 18 but like when you're up at like 160 that's a huge difference but um you know 160 to 145 whatever uh he underperformed his ex by 25 points I would I would definitely assume like this this is like the worst season of Soto's career, right? And I think, um, I think there's a really good chance that it's the worst season we see from him in ten years. Um, but two years ago he had a seven WAR last year three point eight. Uh, he's projected seven point two by Steamer. He's projected. He's projected, and projections are normally very conservative. A one seventy three to rest plus by Steamer. 
and like 168 by depth charts and uh so like yeah the general consensus here is that this guy is a true talent 170 wrc plus hitter which is ridiculous i mean like there's not really much else to say i think when you look at soto next year again like it's not like bets and the the difference for me between Soto and bets and why I put bets above Soto is that I think the floor is so much higher with bets. Cause you know that if he plays 150 games, he'll give you, you know, five and a half, six wins. Soto played 150 games last year, but his glove was so bad that it held him back. Like, like a negative 17 defensive value is, is just awful. Like, like there's really no beating around the bush there. It's just bad. Um, But like even a negative, 10 or a negative eight like and you're looking at probably an easy five six one season when his bat was the worst of his career so i think when you look at soto going into next year it's hard not to like bat to expect a six one season all right and coming at number one we have new york yankees right fielder aaron judge judge you know what are you gonna say about him best power in the league probably really solid defense out there on right field runs the bases at a fine rate Last year, coming off an eleven point eight win season, I believe, off the top of my head, he's not whatever. He's that good of a player. Obviously, probably the best season since Bonds. Definitely the best season since Bonds last year. It probably, I would say, excluding Otani. You could also argue that he's better than Otani. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, Judge to me, the second best player in baseball behind Otani. Again, nobody's close to Otani, but um, that season last year definitely deserving an MVP. Uh, if he comes in at number one, I could see him anywhere from one to. Honestly, one or two, I would say. Um, I'll take Judge, but you can have one or two. I wouldn't be that upset. Um, Ryan, what do you got on Judge? Uh, try to keep this under 10 minutes. Uh, Aaron Judge is elite. I love Aaron Judge. I'm a Yankees fan. I'm biased. I'm putting him one. I don't care about the numbers. Everyone can, you know, you can say, you had one, so was the best player in baseball last year. Why is he not the best right fielder? Because I said so. Um, Aaron Judge is, we've never seen a season like that. And quite frankly, I think I'm going to, I think if you have a season like that, I'm going to throw away projections for just a second and at least crown you as the best right fielder on my list for at least one. You deserve it. You deserve, I, I think Judge is, uh, also just doesn't get enough credit for being he's a generational talent like no one in the stack cast era barrels the ball more than him hits the ball harder than him um you know all those things though, though that's generational power right there um i don't think and i think there's a higher ceiling because he might be playing a lot of center field with harrison bader out so that's going to help his war for sure and james you guys just love the word generational huh we're looking at six generational talents in the same year all 10 right fielders here are generational guys yeah i don't know if i agree with and that. mvp winners but, like, you guys throw the word generational around a lot, but Judge is definitely a guy who is. Like, I think we're looking at, I don't know about, like, six, but I think we're looking at three, maybe four, because those guys are, like, like if we're looking normally, right, Betts, Betts was the best right fielder of the two of the 2010s, right? And then I think between Soto and Acuna, one of them will be the best right fielder of the 2020s. But um, with Judge, like like we were talking about, um, he had a 200 WRC plus. You like that doesn't happen, right? We we haven't seen that since what 2004 Barry Bonds when he was like cheating. So I mean I don't know. I think Judge the projection is 164 for Steamer, uh, 171 for Zips, eight WAR projection. Like I mean, I think I'm putting him at one because of what he did last year, not fully because I think he's actually going to be better than Soto and Betts this year. I, I don't know if he will, obviously, but I think I think with with Judge there's some, you know, caution, but at the same time, like 
he had an 11 win season last year. There's really no argument against it. All right. That's it for this episode of the Deep Brown Field podcast. If you like what you saw, please give us a five star on whatever platform you're listening to. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Deep Drive Pod. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Ellie Nerds. Follow James on Twitter at James Valentinas. And follow Ryan on Twitter at Ryan Garcia ESM. It's been a deep drive in the left field by uh, Castellanos, and we will see you in episode number 86. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.